Uh, hey, this is Drew. Uh, we recorded this week's show on Wednesday morning before the Milwaukee Bucks staged their boycott of their playoff game against uh, the Orlando Magic uh, that afternoon. Uh, the Rockets and the Thunder quickly followed suit. Um, these protests are growing. They come all in the wake of Jacob Blake being shot seven times in the back by police officers in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, Blake was uh, shot in front of members of his own family. And then uh, protests uh, sprang up after that in Kenosha. Police actively aided militiamen in shooting those protesters after the fact. Um, this is deeply, deeply fucked. Um, and you do not need uh, any emergency podcast siren from us on this. You don't need us uh, giving you takes on it. Um, what you need from us are resources. So um, if you want to do anything um, to help the Blake family, uh, his family, uh, has set up a GoFundMe. That's www.gofundme.com slash F slash justice for Jacob Blake. Uh, that family's GoFundMe page um, is going to help uh, for Jacob's medical bills and also uh, expenses for his own family and the seven kids uh, that he has to, uh, that have to be taken care of uh, now that Jacob, uh, as of this recording, uh, is paralyzed from the waist down. Uh, more. Uh, the March on Washington is this week. It's on Friday. Protesters gather at the Lincoln Memorial at 7 a.m. on Friday with the official program for the march starting at 11 a.m. The march itself starts at 1 p.m., goes from the Lincoln Memorial uh, across the mall, ends at 3 p.m. You want more details, go to the National Action Network, which is nationalactionnetwork.net for all the details. Uh, it will be live streamed. So if you're not in DC proper, of course, you can watch it or you can join uh, many of the satellite protests um, that are going to be uh, planned around that. I don't have that information on you, on me right now. I uh, I will happily tweet it out as it comes. Um, if you want to donate to the Milwaukee Freedom Fund, uh, you can find their Facebook page simply by Googling them. Uh, they help with bail for protesters and supplies that protesters need. If you want to protest uh, to Kenosha Mayor John Antaramian, uh, he is at mayor at Kenosha.org. Kenosha District Attorney Michael D. Gravely is Michael dot Gravely, G-A-R-V-E-L-E-Y at D-A dot W-I Dot gov. If you want to contact the Kenosha Police Department, their Twitter handle is at Kenosha Police, K-E-N-O-S-H-A Police, or email Kenosha uh, Police Chief Daniel Miskinis at DGM398 at KenoshaPolice.com. Also, uh, I hate I hate it when people are like, well, you just, you got to vote them out. Um you know, because this is uh, this is a situation right now that requires action and immediate action and urgency and waiting for a vote uh, that comes until November when the streets are burning is not uh, enough. But that said, please vote. Uh, go to www.usa.gov slash confirm dash voter dash registration to make sure you are registered to vote. If you haven't registered to vote, Please do that and vote. Um, this is too important. And it's, uh, it's just, it's too important. So please do all that. And, uh, and then all our hearts and, uh, you know, I'm not even, I'm not even, uh, coherent right now, but, um, all our best wishes are for Jacob Blake's family and for, for peace and for happiness um, for everybody. Uh, now to the show. And now we can talk about stupid shit. And I, I want to introduce this week's guest. And uh, it's an oldie but goodie. It's Andy Barons from Yahoo! Man who's Hi, personally Andy. given me a lot of advice, some of which I've taken. How you doing, Andy? A high volume of advice. Um, let's make no mention about whether it was good advice, bad advice. Let's not worry about percentages. It was just, it was a lot of advice over a long period of time. And I appreciate it. As just as a fan of content, of all types of content, I've... I've... Andy, you're the first... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I, if I'm anything, I'm a high volume content producer of questionable quality. Andy, you are the first guest in Distraction History. How does it feel? 
It's a huge honor. Yeah. <laughs> Spectacular honor. I was going to say, it's a really huge honor. It is honor. kind of the crowning point in a, in a career in fantasy, actually. Yeah, it doesn't, <laughs> I can't imagine it getting any bigger than this. How have you been doing during the, uh, during the apocalypse? Are you holding up well? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm hanging in. That's like the most loaded question you can ask somebody right now is, hey, how you doing? Yes, it is. Yeah. It is. I'm just like You're, opted out of giving honest answers on it. I'm like, oh, you know. It, yeah. Like, do you really want to hear like about yeah, it? Like, I it's an invitation to put your foot in your in your mouth. Yeah. Or, you know, Eight uh, days without shadow. I'm available to come so. on podcasts, so like, I can't be that bad. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So to that end, uh, Andy and I used to do an annual fantasy preview back uh, back at the old site, and uh, it only seemed right, particularly given the timing, that we bring Andy back on for a hater's guide to the 2020 NFL fantasy season. Hater's guide! Fantasy football. I wasn't sure he was going to sing it, but he sang it. Uh, so Andy's with us to help, and also Andy, I, I wanted your, um, I wanted your opinion on a couple of things. One is there was a big Washington Post article this week about how uh, excitement for fantasy football this particular year has faded, and of course it's because of the disruption of the sports calendar. You know, there's there's NBA playoffs going on in fucking August and, you know, and people's lives have been ruined. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of, I want, I'm going to say distraction, but I swear there's no pun intended. <laughs> there's been a lot of distractions keeping people from it. Have, has your attitude toward fantasy uh, or anticipation for it diminished at all? I know it's your, your job, but how do you feel about the upcoming fantasy season? Yeah, it's just really skewed by the fact that it's my job, but I'm also obviously somebody who plays in a ton of fantasy leagues. I have, hometown leagues that are having a difficult time coming together. There's obviously, you know, there's a number of things happening in the country, in the culture that no one should be turning away from. Right. So that's part of it. Right. Um, I'm in, I'm in hometown leagues with like high school friends where like people have lost jobs and they don't know that they want to play for money in 2020. Like that's a thing too. Um, And then as you say, the sports calendar is a wreck right now, or at least it's not what it normally is in August. I mean, baseball started a month ago and the NBA is in their first week of the playoffs. So this should be late April or May, right? Like just right. In, in keeping with the sports calendar, this should be May. There's no effing football on TV. There's no preseason, which I find there's not going to be any, you know, the college football season, whatever we get is not going to be legitimate because we don't have a big 10 West. So who's going to care? Right. Like there's no football going on, so no one's reminded of it. And unless you're in this bubble that I am, where you have to pay attention to what beat writers are saying, it's not. You, there's no reason you should be aware of football. So yeah, um, interest is interest is certainly down. Signups are down. I feel like I've had a bit of a moment in the last week or so where all of my all of my more casual leagues, hometown friends, things like that, they're all like, "Oh shit, there's oh there's football, and maybe we should decide a draft date." And then it's really hard a couple of weeks out, but we're we're doing our best. Yeah, I'm doing a league with uh, like my oldest league is drafting on Friday, and at this point, it's basically just like everybody kind of texting each other to be like, "You know, Melvin Gordon is on the Broncos now." Like it's just <laughs> all completely like just upside down. I never would have thought I would miss preseason football and I don't obviously miss it. Like there's no excuse for it, but it is like just something that puts some football in your mind and begins to ease you into this process. Like even there, like even if it's the sort of thing where like it leads me to draft Ken Burrell Tompkins and then I'm like, why did I watch that? <laughs> Which is definitely a thing that's happened to me at least once and possibly two times, but it is like, you know, at least it's there. Yeah. I mean, this is just the whole fucking world's upside down. When the NFL offseason was happening like normal, I remember we were all talking in the the Slack, you know, the what would become the defector Slack about how grateful we were that there were transactions. But that has all completely right. exited my mind at this point. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm with you. I, you know, I have no use for preseason football, but now that it's gone, I miss having that yard marker in my brain. And also just the sort of thing, you know, that, you know, I make fun of fantasy bros, but I do the same shit where like, like a Mike Anderson will have an 80 yard game in a preseason. And I'm like, that guy's a sleeper. Yeah. You watch out. Yep. You watch out for that motherfucker. He's going to burn. So what I wanted to do, Andy, is go through your rankings by position. And since this is a haters guide, I want you to tell me why each of these players is going to end up disappointing everybody. So can we do that? <laughs> That's not a no. Yeah. I'm, I'm hearing consent. 
Oh, hell yeah. Let's go for it. All right. We're going to start, start at the very top and, and tell people why like Christian McCaffrey is going to disappoint. Yeah, that's, that exact, that's, a, that's exactly what we're going to do. <laughs> that's right. I met Christian McCaffrey this summer and I'm about to betray him by asking you, he is your number one ranked running back. Why is he going to disappoint us? Yeah, this is um, this is really hard because there's almost no history of people repeating, um, uh, particularly like back to back to back years as the number one running back. That just doesn't happen. So he's got uh, he's got a bit of regression coming there. You would just expect. Um, also, like Carolina in a totally lost season where they had. I mean, it, last year was just hopeless for them. They they went out of their way to get him over 400 touches, which is highly questionable, I think. Of course, he was chasing history, right? He was doing the thousand, thousand thing. Right. Um, and that was really fun. But to pile up mileage like that on a player in a season in which your team is just obviously going nowhere is, it's problematic, right? And the year before, set the single season reception record for a running back. Like, everybody loves Christian McCaffrey. He's the centerpiece of the offense. Um, if there's ever a season in which, I mean, every, every year in the NFL, continuity matters. But this particular year there's been no off season like like coaching staffs are just like meeting each other in person for the first time over the last few weeks right um right nobody's been able to coach anybody up no otas nothing like that this, this team has a new head coach from baylor they have a new oc from lsu they have a new quarterback from the saints and all those things sound good but like these guys are all just meeting and they're all just figuring it out on the fly. So if ever a team was going to be behind, it, and understandably so, it's going to be the Carolina Panthers this year, and that's going to have a downstream effect on everybody, McCaffrey included. We've got some other great talents at the position, right? Barkley's right behind him. Zeke Elliott's right behind him. Either of those guys could obviously finish as the number one fantasy running back. So there is a path outside of injury for Christian McCaffrey to at least not justify his sort of universal draft position as, oh. as number one. Oh, overall. thank goodness. Yeah, let's let's talk about Saquon because he's number two on your list, uh, and that's number two with a doo doo. Because uh, in 2019 <laughs> he had th over 300 less rushing yards and he had five fewer touchdowns. Why should I trust this asshole in 2020? Yeah, well, the thing with Saquon is once he got healthy and once he got over the ankle issue, um, if you somehow miraculously made it into a fantasy postseason with Saquon Barkley, you probably won. Because um, he was he was utterly unstoppable, fully healthy Saquon Barkley in weeks 15 and 16. It was just like in two games, he was over 400 scrimmage yards. I think it was five touchdowns. Um, you just couldn't lose if you had him. Like, but it's too late. That's too late. <laughs> yeah, you definitely needed to be in like a 12-person league where like six teams or eight teams make the playoffs and you just sort of scratched and clawed your way to, to a 500 record and you made it. Uh, your number three is Zeke Elliott, who I feel... Um, you know, is sort of has, has become blandly consistent. Like you'll get like 152 touchdown game out of him like every month or something like that. But you'll also get like a 70 yard bullshit game out of him because everyone stacks the box against him. So, yeah, but it's, it's good when the worst case scenario for a running back is like 75 scrimmage yards and he happens to not catch a touchdown, but he, he still catches four passes. And Zeke is very much in that club. Like you can still win a week when he's kind of a dud. Because his dud weeks are still, again, they're they're still like double-digit fantasy weeks. Um, so, it, like, if he finished number one overall, it wouldn't surprise me at all. He could, he's gonna win. He's gonna win more rushing titles. He's probably not done there. He's still running behind, um, if not the best offensive line in the league, like a top five offensive line, and it's just a loaded offense. No more Travis Frederick this year, though. He retired. But but that's maybe not a killer for an offense in which like the quarterback almost threw for five thousand yards. They have weapons all over the field. Like they're gonna they're gonna challenge for like thirty points a game. I realize I'm supposed to be shitting. No, on this you. is the this is the fun yeah. You're part. failing. You're fucking it up. This is the fun part of all of this though, because everybody has to be like, you know, it's kind of hard to come up with ways that Zeke Elliott isn't good. Like this is it's nice that we're pushing ourselves, but like we should be upfront that this is an insanely stupid exercise. The idea of being like, yeah, that. Like Zeke Elliott, I don't. I never saw it personally. Like it's not there. Like it's just <laughs> ridiculous. The one thing they could do is push some more work off onto Tony Pollard, who was really, really good last year. And in terms of uh, running backs, who are like those understudies who could really break out if anything happens to the guy ahead of him. Pollard averaged five yards per carry. Um, they gave him a hundred touches. Like he's a really good player, and he could be ninety-five percent of Zeke if, if anything happens to him. Yeah, it's just it's just too much positivity out of you and there's enough positivity out in the rest of the world i mean everything's so good right now so i'm very yeah, disappointed yeah. <laughs> that you couldn't that you couldn't bring things down by depressing everybody so you better Number fucking drop the hammer on alvin kamara right now yeah what's yeah, the matter with this doofus 
Yeah, because I drafted him number one last year, and he sucked. So I want to know why I should have any faith in Alvin Kamara again. You drafted him number one. Like, if you drafted him number one overall, I feel like that's a little bit on you. Um, <laughs> you go to hell. You go directly to hell. I mean, the way the way things go wrong here are pretty obvious, right? Like, Taysom Hill is just a is just a game wrecker for fantasy, right? Like, they get in. Ah! And fucking Taysom Hill trots on the field either as a tight end or split out wide or a quarterback and does some shit and takes away three or four Alvin Kamara touchdowns a year. Like even in a great year for Kamara, you're losing scores to fucking Taysom Hill. Like I hate Taysom Hill. Well, but wait, Good. But hold on. Let me just I want to get on the record. Have you considered that he's just having fun out there? I hate his name. His name is stupid. Yeah, the name he's, is not great. He's good, Tebow. I hate it. It's awful. Yeah, so he's a problem. Latavius Murray's a problem. Um, Sean Payton, just in general, getting <laughs> really cute and creative in goal-to-go situations is a, pro- is a problem. So, like, Kamara's just not going to be a, a 22-24 touchdown. Like, when you think of a, about a guy who can, like, actually finish as the number one overall fantasy player, we need them to hit, like, 18, 20 touchdowns, and that's just probably not going to be Kamara. Uh, your number five is Derrick Henry, who was the best running back in football at the end of last season. And it seems like, doesn't it seem like he would be a prime candidate to actually be the number one back this season? I know he's playing under a tag, but still. Yeah, almost every fantasy format, you get some some sort of scoring for receptions, right? It's become the default at ESPN. And, That's true. And, and he just, like, it's not that he can't catch, right? Like, he can. He's made some huge play, had some huge plays last year. Right. Off the screen game, really simple stuff. They don't throw to him. Um, their entire offense is based off of play action to Derrick Henry, basically. Like Ryan Tannehill was was superhuman off of play action last year. They just don't throw to him. And even if they, you know, they could double his receptions this year and he's still really boring as a receiver. He's still only like 30 catches. So best case scenario, he gets, you know, another 16 touchdowns or something like that. It's going to be a good fantasy season. But if they're not, if they're not throwing to you, you have no realistic path to be number one. That is useful because I did not understand what he was doing there in your rankings just because of like the recency bias that uh, my dumb brain has like the last image I saw of him was looking like three times the size of a normal person and just like stomping through the Patriots secondary and I was like oh that guy is uh that's a demigod yeah yeah this is again the result of the only league I really pay attention to having an insanely idiosyncratic scoring system so, like, the reception thing doesn't really matter. Like, Sam Darnold was worth more than any running back in our league last year just because of the way the scoring <laughs> is set up. So, it's bizarre. Then, then this is all on Arthur Smith. Then Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator for the Titans, can go hide in a sewer yeah. forever for ruining Derrick Henry's receiving game. Uh, speaking of which, your number six is Dalvin Cook of the Vikings, who was a fantastic receiving threat last year, particularly on screens. However... Dalvin wants a new contract, and so he's having a hold in right now. So he's at practice. He wants a new contract. He could conceivably bail at any time if he's not paid. Yeah, well, you laid out the worst-case scenario for anybody who drafts Dalvin Cook. I mean, I shouldn't, I shouldn't need to convince people that something could possibly go wrong for the Vikings to mess things up. <laughs> uh, that's not like a huge stretch. Wow. Never, never happens. Anything taking a bad turn for the Vikings. Um, I don't, I don't know exactly why, you know, whatever he could save some wear and tear. Um, the, the, the holding out for a protracted period of time has not worked out spectacularly for running backs over the last couple of years. I don't feel like Le'Veon benefited from it. Melvin Gordon certainly didn't benefit from it. And Dalvin Cook is a guy with somebody sort of breathing down his neck in Alexander Madison, who like Tony Pollard could be 95% of what Dalvin Cook is. He's getting all those first team reps right now while Dalvin kind of watches a lot, right? And, uh, and and Madison is a real thing. Like, it's pretty easy to imagine a scenario where by midseason, it's it's a little bit 60-40-ish, and Madison is getting a ton of touches. Ah, oh, the dreaded RBBC. I fucking hate it. Uh, your number seven is the heretofore unknown Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, which his last name reminds me of ice cream, because, of course, Hilaire is very close to Helado, the Spanish for ice cream. So now I want a big milk. <laughs> it's not drink. that close. Can we be honest? It's really not. It's, it's really like, not. <laughs> it's actually like halfway it's there. A, it's actually a ho- it's actually a horrible, horrible mental connection <laughs> I've made. <laughs> but you have hungry. him at number you have him at number seven simply because he's playing in the Chiefs offense. But is there any indication he's worth a shit otherwise? 
Yeah, I actually feel like kind of a coward for having him at seven. I feel like as we talk about it right now, I should really, that reflects poorly on me. I should probably have him at like five. Um, maybe I should have him at four. Wow. Like we saw, we obviously, nobody missed him at LSU last year. He's a he's super gifted receiving back, caught 55 passes um, in just a stupid um, video game offense for LSU. Um, he, he's going to be the Chiefs featured guy. And the Chiefs are going to average like, 35 points per game and 420 total yards per game. And they're just nice. going to be an unstoppable death star offense. And you don't even like Damien, Damien freaking Williams carried fantasy managers to titles two yeah. years ago in December, averaging 15 touches per game in that offense. Like you don't even need to be a full workload guy to be an absolute dominant fantasy force. So Edward Solaire, I'm just, I'm just, it's like chicken shit rank here. I should have him four or five. The Damian Williams thing is so real to me too. Cause like I, he played real hard. He's a Super Bowl champion. There's nothing wrong with Damian Williams. Like I know he's a listener of the podcast. Obviously Damian, we appreciate your support. Uh, he has always been like a stand in for me for just like a guy that you would have on your roster as a running back. Like just, he's not especially remarkable and not like your fantasy roster. I mean like your NFL roster where you're like, well, who's our third guy? And they're like, Oh, we well, remember Damian, the guy from, from before from the spring. And yeah, like he looked great in that. And then so this guy that looked like whatever, like junior Reggie Bush in college, it's just like I am excited to see how good he could be in that offense. Uh, your number eight is Josh Jacobs. How would John Gruden ruin Josh Jacobs this year? <laughs> Why yeah. would he dislike this guy? <laughs> um, Jacobs, Jacobs last year, uh, in terms of every, you know, all the, all the analytics sites, they absolutely loved him. And it, the, the eye test, um, was fantastic too. Like he was just an absolute missed tackle machine. He's great. He's really great. He liked Derrick Henry though. And maybe we'll see it this year. Maybe we won't just not catching a lot of passes. Um, that, that was the issue. Like Jacobs even played through a, a pretty nasty injury for a chunk of last season, had a great year. I really like him, but if it doesn't get any better than it was last year, he's not going to catch any balls. And again, that prevents him from sort of finishing inside that top five. You have a rather curious number nine in Miles Sanders of the Eagles who did not rush for a thousand yards last year and only had three touchdowns. What, what, uh, what evidence do you have that he's going to have any progression this year? In a fraudulent Eagles that guy offense. dodged every possible offseason bullet in terms of personnel, right? Like Devonte, I guess Devonte Freeman still hasn't signed anywhere, and maybe he could be added by a team. But like Carlos Hyde didn't sign there. Um, perhaps Shady McCoy was never going to sign there. But like he dodged everything. He dodged all competition. That guy was really good, and he's a gifted. Uh, he's a gifted receiving back. Um, his path to like sixteen hundred scrimmage yards if he just stays healthy is pretty clean. There's nobody. There's nobody really fighting him for touches. He's just got to stay healthy. Uh, all right. What about Aaron Jones? There's no. Um, he's your number ten. There's no Mike McCarthy around this year or last year to underutilize him. Will he be properly utilized? By Matt Lafleur. The biggest problem with him is they drafted AJ Dillon. Um, they drafted his eventual successor this is a little bit like the the ravens and mark ingram right where they have somebody who who was just flawless last year i mean right jones just couldn't stop scoring last year he's great he's probably the second best receiving option on the team behind Devonte adams um just a just a weird off season for this team like they 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 make it to the nfc title game and then they go ahead and draft the successor to their <laughs> hall of fame quarterback right so that's a little bit messed up. And the, the Dylan addition is really the thing. And it probably doesn't take a chunk out of what Jones did. It probably just eliminates Jamal Williams. Um, but we, we know that Jones is in a little bit of a committee. He's great. He's really good. I don't like the little bit of a committee thing because that becomes a lot of a committee quickly. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like... Dylan probably is one of these guys who just uh, fades away into, into nothing because he's like, he's like the guy who has all the um, off-season footage like oh here he is jumping out of a pool here he is jumping <laughs> a five foot box here he is and like those guys never amount to shit all right let's get to the wide house before i get to the wide i do want to ask you one thing you know i like obviously all the rankings in the preseason do not are not going to you know hold through the season at the end of the season however isn't this season in particular danger of being completely fucking weird from a statistical standpoint and from a fantasy ranking standpoint yeah, th this could be, if, in fact, if we just, if I just go off like what I'm experiencing in baseball leagues right now, like it took about a week and a half for all of my, you know, at Yahoo and I think the other major platforms, we've added a bunch of uh, injury spots, right? Like the, we added a couple of IL spots in baseball. 
going to end up adding spots uh, available to fantasy owners in, uh, in, in football as well. The, in baseball, for me, they were all full in like a week and a half. Oh, yeah. Between two teams being wrecked by COVID and all the usual Oof. injuries, and then maybe some extra injuries that accompany the weirdest offseason ever. Um, like, this is going to be a, just a shit show of injuries and missed games, unlike almost anything else. Like, to the point that you already hear head coaches talking about how we're probably just going to have to isolate a quarterback from the rest of the team. We're probably going to have to split up our position room so that if, if one person catches the virus, we don't get, you know, like all of the running backs catch the virus. I am dreading how coaches are going to handle this. I mean, just to look at how badly baseball did it. And it's not like baseball is like an enlightened community of uh, like intellectual titans but like oh boy like the idea of turning this over to john gruden and being like well we're gonna isolate the virus and we're gonna defeat the virus how do we do it by thinking like a virus and you're like oh stop i hate to sound like chef to hear but i don't think it's possible to do worse than baseball is done with the virus i really don't and i say that even though even though half the nfl teams are gonna let fucking fans in i just it's just it's just impossible for me to envision the NFL fucking it up this badly. Although now that I've said it, yeah, it's it's not impossible to envision at all, is it? I but I do. <laughs> I, I think it could be a completely strange year in which like the Panthers win the Super Bowl because it's like you know half the teams end up going on the COVID list or something like that. Uh, Whiteouts. Uh, Michael Thomas is your number one. Why, why should I hate him? You got Terry Hill at number two. Why isn't Hill number one, Mister Fancy Pants? Get him. It's going to be really hard for this to go badly for Michael Thomas as long as he stays healthy because he's got, you know, he's, he's got a quarterback who's the most accurate uh, passer in league history. Um, Michael Thomas himself is coming off the greatest single season in the history of his position in at least some areas, right? He set the receptions record. The year before that, um, it, a perfectly ordinary Michael Thomas year was still 125 catches and 1,400 yards. Um, again, the only thing that might disappoint you about Michael Thomas is – the the Sean Payton gets weird at the goal line thing. And right. Michael Thomas probably not going to be a 14 touchdown guy. Probably not going to be a 16 touchdown guy. We'll never we'll never get one of those like Jerry Rice seasons out of him. Um again, because of Taysom Hill and, and Peyton and just the the wacky stuff that they prefer to do. But he's a, an absolute rock solid bet for 120 catches. All right. Your number two is Tyreek Hill. How do I know that he won't break another child's arm and be arrested and not finish out the season. Yeah, you don't. Um, You certainly don't. It's just that that is the, (laughs) like, unfortunately enough, that's one of the paths for uh, Tyreek Hill to to mess this all up. But he's perhaps the fastest guy in the NFL, and he's tied to the absolute best offense in the NFL and one of the best in NFL history. And so he's another guy who's just got to play 14 games, and it's an easy dozen touchdowns. You have Devontae Adams at number three. Is that too high you got guys like deandre and julio jones behind him what makes Devontae so goddamn special i feel kind of terrible about it because uh no part of me roots for the packers to enjoy any success but he is uh he is the only relevant receiver there right and the the gap between him and whoever is number two whether it's lazard or it's actually it's probably aaron jones right no other talent at receiver he is a very good bet to lead the nfl in targets um if anybody uh, in a 16-game season, can get 200 targets this year. It is probably Devonte Adams because why would you throw it at anybody else? Uh, number four is DeAndre Hopkins. Is he going to be better with Kyler throwing him the ball? I mean, he's going from Deshaun to Kyler, which seems like I, I mean, I think Kyler will light the world on fire this season. But you know, Deshaun Watson is Deshaun Watson, so isn't there a potential danger of some drop off with DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah, it's I, I I hate to talk about this without mentioning this was the dumbest fucking trade. <laughs> it yeah. was. It was so stupid. One hundred percent people like in your fantasy league vetoing the deal frantically, being like, "That's yeah. not fair. It's not fair because Jeff doesn't pay attention anymore, and that's why I keep saying yes." <laughs> The whole thing just felt like a fantasy deal. Like, like O'Brien saw an offer that he thought was, oh yeah, I've heard of that guy. Cool. Let's, <laughs> I like you. Let's do this. Um, uh, yeah, it was an absolutely insane trade on its face. Um, I can't imagine any other team executive doing it. Appalling trade. Um, that said, and Houston is now one of these messed up teams where everything is new. And I don't know how this can possibly go well for them. Right. Um, all, all that said, DeAndre Hopkins is great. He's going to an offense that is going to play fast and is probably going to attempt 600 passes. And I don't know if he gets to 150 targets again, but it's probably still 130, 140. 
Um, and he is the unrivaled number one. I mean, he would be the unrivaled number one on almost any team. He's great. I don't, I don't really expect much of a drop-off. Um, had he remained in Houston, though, he probably would have been a couple ticks higher for me. Uh, Julio Jones is your number five, and I'm at with Julio. I'm at a point with Julio where he's been around long enough where I just don't want to draft him just as he's been around for so long, even though he's still productive. I mean, he's, got, he's going on like six years or something of 1,400 receiving yards, and to the point where we're just bored by it, right? Like, we're, I've stuck him here at five or six or whatever. I mean, you could make a case for Julio as number one. He's never had that monster touchdown season. Um, I guess that's the one The one little drawback with him is if he, if he ever gives us a year with like, I mean, it seems like it should be in play for Julio Jones at some point, being one of the most physically talented receivers in NFL history to score like 16, 18 touchdowns. Yeah. I haven't seen that that big blow up yet. So that's why he gets stuck outside the top three or four. Um, but he's basically a lock for 1,300, 1,400 yards. Oh, let's get to the bottom of this list because this is where it gets fun. You have... Chris Godwin at number six on the Bucks. He is higher than Mike Evans, who you have at number 10. Why, why is Godwin higher than Mike Evans, who is more talented than him? Um, coming off an absolutely insane year, going to be probably a slightly higher volume receiver, and we have to rank for, you know, PPR leagues a little bit. Ah. Yeah, so you, you end up going with it. You end up kind of defaulting to the guy that you can really see catching 95, 105 balls, something like that. Man, the Bucks are going to be... Bucks are going to be weird. Um, they're they're one of those teams that uh, uh, obviously continuity is an issue for them with a the new quarterback, new tight end, a lot of new fancy stuff. But uh, thankfully, for if you're a Bucks fan, Tom Brady appears to have been breaking all COVID protocols, practicing with everybody <laughs> he can practice with. So it's not it's different for him. If you drink enough water, it's not it's not a risk. <laughs> <laughs> you got bold at number seven. You put Allen Robinson there, even though his quarterback is either going to be Nick Foles' penis. <laughs> Or whatever remains of Mitchell Trubisky, and I've already, I've already seen all the the annoying bullshit preseason reports where it's like Mitchell Trubisky is feeling better than ever, looking pretty sharp, so and I'm just like, that year. is such bullshit. A tradition unlike any other. Yeah, there was like there was like a day when we saw a lot of those Trubisky reports, and um, the people who were actually attending practices were simultaneously tweeting about how Trubisky like ran out of bounds to take yeah. a sack. I shared uh, one of those in Slack just because it was one of the most ungainly. Th- it was like during like a whatever, like a goal line drill, like Mitchell Trubisky ran straight backwards, sat down crying on a bench on the opposing sideline. No one's sure why he did it. Uh, coaches are optimistic. Like, it was just He duffed it. Yeah, like you're going to coach that out of a guy um, <laughs> several seasons into his career. I mean, they they declined to pick up his fifth-year option. Like, it's it's kind of silly that we're even talking about Trubisky as a threat. to be. I mean, you can't you can't make the move for Foles and then not play Foles um, while no. you're also declining to pick up Mitch's fifth-year. Um, Allen Robinson's just great. And someday Allen Robinson's going to play. Like, he's he's just really fun to watch in isolation too because it's not i i don't i don't i don't mean to suggest that he like gets away with shit he kind of gets away with shit like he very few players use leverage as well or as sneakily as Allen robinson he it's just like it's just a clinic every time you watch him uh you went bold at number eight you had dj chark of the jaguars who's gonna have the legendary gardner Minshew throwing him the ball why do you have chark so high I th- I'm probably about as high as anyone on, on Shark, but Shark was the wide receiver eight or nine uh, going into December last year. He had an ankle injury that, that messed him up a little bit in the final weeks, but he played through it. Um, didn't, didn't have big weeks at the end, but he was, he was basically tracking as a, as a top 10 receiver all year. Plus that like the Jags are going to be kind of sneaky fun because they have a really aesthetically satisfying quarterback. Um, <laughs> they have a terrible defense in all likelihood. So they're just going to be chucking the ball all year and they've got kind of a fearless quarterback. So there's a, there's a path with shark as well to finish with like 160 targets um, with just an absolute YOLO quarterback and the, the team always playing from behind. He's got a cool name too. Like his last oh, yeah. name sounds like Italian for shark. It's a me, a yeah. shark. Charcuterie. Uh, That's how I say have, it. Cause I'm a you have Odell at number nine. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a question of whether or not Odell will disappoint everybody, but whether how he'll disappoint everybody. Yes. It's entirely a question of, of when and, <laughs> uh, and in, in what, like in what exact circumstances, whether it's going to be on field or off field or on TikTok, half of the player notes about Odell have nothing to do with him playing. Right. Like, right. Yeah. That's fun. That like, this is kind of a fun fantasy experience. I've, I've no idea what to expect. His rank is, is almost a dart throw. 
I give him a lot of credit for playing through injury last season. And I, I buy all the injury stories, right? It was a sports hernia that he played through. Um, that, that is a more than a minor inconvenience. And sometimes like sometimes the thing that, that the NFL values the most, which is just pure availability. Like he gave it to them last year. Like he played, um, but fantasy managers just crush him for it because he had a perfectly ordinary season. Obviously he was, he was squabbling with a, with a quarterback who was disappointing throughout the year. I expect Mayfield to be better. I do not. <laughs> well, there's like a normal adult coaching staff now. That's not going to be maybe quite as messed up as it was last season. And then they just have so many playmakers. Um, Kareem Hunt is there. Nick Chubb is obviously great. Um, They've they just got a lot of talent on the field. Like there is certainly a path for Odell to have a, a little bit of a bounce back. By the way, you didn't have Chubb on your backs list. Didn't he lead the NFL in rushing a year ago? Chubb is a Chubb is an interesting conversation because as soon as Kareem Hunt uh, returned to play, uh, all of all of Chubb's receptions went away. He caught he caught eleven balls in the eight games that uh, that Kareem Hunt played and played. Uh, and Hunt would have tracked for like seventy, I think seventy four catches on the year. Wow. Uh, Chubb only scored two touchdowns in the second half after Hunt came back. And Ooh. I don't want to I don't want to pin all of that on Kareem Hunt, but Kareem Hunt is a problem. Like Chubb could still run for thirteen hundred yards with a fully healthy Kareem Hunt, but the receptions are going to be a thing. And you don't mean problem in NBA fannies. Yeah. You mean you mean not, an actual literal You're not problem. saying Kareem Hunt is a bucket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then let's go to the, the quarterbacks. I'm going to go – I'm going to speed through it because we uh, we burned a lot of the clock on running backs and wideouts. Your top ten. I'm going to list them. It's uh, uh, from the top Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, then Dak, then Russ, then Kyler Murray, who you have very high – Deshaun Watson, Matty Ice at seven, and Wentz at number eight. Um, and then Allen at number nine. I can't I can't remember which Allen. Josh. It's not it's oh right, Josh Allen. I was like, it's not Kyle Allen. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you have It's Allen Robinson again. He this guy loves Allen Robinson. You have Josh Allen, Matty Ice, and uh, Carson Wentz above Drew Brees, who's number 10. Explain yourself. I am I am sick about the Josh Allen rank um, because I don't obviously I don't think he's that good. Like the one glaring problem in my view with Buffalo, like they have everything. They have a really good defense. They have a good running game. They've drafted well. They now have a pair of great receivers and Diggs and John Brown. Um, they have they have a quarterback who can't throw. He like he couldn't throw in college. He was a bit of a game wrecker in college and. Seems like a really nice guy, but he doesn't know where the ball is going ever. Um, but his fantasy rank is entirely dependent on on his rushing ability. He ran for he's, he's run for seventeen touchdowns in uh, his two seasons in the NFL. He is going to continue to run. He is a much bigger factor than their running backs when they get in goal to go situations. Um, he's generally good for like. 40, 50, 60 rushing yards per game. And that just like fantasy scoring is a little bit messed up at the quarterback spot. Um, we, we don't necessarily prize the right things. We don't really punish turnovers like we probably should in, in scoring settings. And so Josh Allen ends up more often than not as like a top five, top six quarterback, but there's no way they can get up and down with Kansas city. You can't get past Kansas city with Josh Allen as your quarterback. Cause he like, you're not going to, you're never going to have a 40 point game with Josh Allen uh, behind center. I, like, I think they, they need to get through this Josh Allen era, but that said, I think he can be perfectly fine for fantasy. Uh, your tight ends, uh, it's always a disgustingly top-heavy uh, set of players. So then number one, two, three, and four are all fairly predictable. Travis Kelsey, you have Travis Kelsey number one instead of George Kittle. You have George Kittle number two. I feel like they're interchangeable there. Uh, Mark Andrews is number three of the Ravens. Zach Ertz, number four. Then we get down to sort of – we then there's, to me, there's a, a very – firm line of demarcation yeah, because this is then you got like that moment right? at the beach where you're like wow the water's getting really cold and then you realize that you're about to step off a sandbar that's where tyler higby lands at number yeah <laughs> you have tyler higby at number five he always sounds like a disney family sitcom character you have hayden hurst at number six uh gronk is at number seven do you really think an unretired gronk can be that productive um, I think he's a pretty high floor tight end, but I, and you kind of alluded to it. Once the top four guys are gone at this spot, I just I just wait ten rounds. Yep. Yeah. Whatever's left is what I take because there's there's a whole bunch of guys where I can see a path to them. Like you you squeeze yourself into the top ten fantasy tight ends by just scoring um, six or seven touchdowns. Right. Every everybody who ranks five through twelve is going to be really really close in terms of uh, scoring separation, and they're all going to have about a half dozen touchdowns. 
And to, to me, there's, there's at least a dozen guys who could squeeze in there. Um, and once again, once I get past Ertz, I can see the case for Higby because he was dominant uh, in, the, in the final five games. But really, once I get past the top four, um, I, I probably end up with someone like Blake Jarwin. Again, going back to Dallas, there's like, there's like 160 vacated targets there between Jason Witten and Randall Cobb, and a whole bunch of those are going to go to CeeDee Lamb, and then a whole bunch are going to go to Blake Jarwin. Right. He's probably going to finish like top five, top six among tight ends in targets, which mm. obviously is a pretty good path to, to scoring well in fantasy. So that's typically who I end up with, and, and I just don't care about the, the minefield that, that exists afterwards. I think that's I think that's a fair assessment. Your number ten was Jared Cook, by the way, of the Saints, who since he's on the Saints could blow up at any time. Your uh, defenses, I'm not going to go into kickers because fuck kickers. Yeah, uh, your defenses, uh, you have uh, from the top down. Number one, are the Niners. That seems fairly obvious. Number two, are the Bears. Uh, then you have the Bills, Steelers, Chiefs, Pats, Ravens, Saints, Chargers, and Rams. I want to single out two of them. Why do you have the Bears at number two, and why are the Pats on here at all when like 80 percent of the team has already opted out for COVID? Yeah, I had dropped the Pats from, I think, two, like a month ago, um, down to nine. And, and some of that is just sort of leap of faith with uh, with Belichick. This is a spot where it just simply doesn't matter at all outside the, really outside the Niners. Like, I, I think the Niners oh, are, right. it, I, would be, I would be shocked if the Niners are not a top five defense. But some of the things that drive scoring for fantasy at, at, at the defensive spot are just, unpredictable right like it's driven by touchdowns it's driven by turnovers and game to game those are really hard to predict so the thing with the bears is that they have some ball hawks they have khalil mack um it's easy to imagine them rolling up a ton of sacks ton of turnovers so you're just kind of you're just kind of placing bets on which defenses you think are actually going to score, like literally score for their teams and which ones are going to pile up turnovers. But it's as a general rule, what you want to do is just look at the week one matchups and stream defenses all season. Okay. Wow. All right. Uh, Well, then you have taken us all the way through the top 10 in every category. And that was very, very kind of you. I would ask you who you have as a sleeper, but then we're just getting annoying. So we're not going to do that though. Well, you, I'm can, gonna do, you can send it to me. You can DM me, though. Before we send you off, uh, Barons, I'm going to uh, ask you, uh, I'm going to reveal the guy of the week to you. Are you ready for the guy of the week? You ready to remember you a might guy? might not be. It's, it's, you're you're gonna, this is deep remembering. It's I had a to, tough one. I had to yeah. search myself for this one. The guy you have to remember is Frisman Jackson. Do you remember that guy? Frisman Jackson. Um... <laughs> He doesn't remember him. I like it. Rem- I liked it, what it sounded like when you whispered his name, like it was like a cologne commercial. <laughs> like that's by the, Calvin Klein. That's what you hear as he like escapes in a hot air balloon from a palazzo. <laughs> oh, Kira Knightley's like, come back, Frisman. <laughs> I have a vague memory of Frisman. It's, it, it's funny. As soon as you said, "Remember a guy," I was like, "It's going to be Darnay Scott." I don't know why. That no, was... that's a good. That would have been Ooh, good. That's a great one. I saw a Darnay Scott jersey in a Nelly video a little while back, and I was like, "Oh, that's this is like two guys in one." That's great because I'm getting to remember a Saint Lunatic, and he's got a fucking Darnay Scott jersey on. Uh, Frisman Jackson. Uh, opened uh, one season. Oh God! I now I have to look for it. It's it was early aughts Browns. It is, was early aughts Browns. That's correct. Uh, two thousand. Ah, shit. Oh, I can't find it. Wait, I'm gonna find it. Leave this in. Yeah, leave this in. Leave me <laughs> doing my my own work. I thought it was 2005. Yes, yeah. it was 2005. Week one of 2005. Uh, they the Browns pay, played the Bengals. They lost 27 to 13. Frisman Jackson had nine catches for 128 yards and a touchdown. And everyone was like, holy shit, Frisman Jackson and was picked up by like 80% of owners next week. Never did a goddamn thing again. Never scored, uh, he's never scored another touchdown that season. And in fact, was was out of the NFL after that. But I always remember. Now I feel him. terrible as a Chicago guy. He went to Western Illinois. He, there can't be very many uh, NFL products. He went to Western Illinois University. That is not Tony Romo University. This is the other directional Illinois. Yeah. Uh, that no one knows about. Wow. Those Browns yeah. teams were really like, again, this is a you know proof of how long I've been wasting time in my life in fantasy. Like I went back and looked at them because I, I remembered that he was a Brown. I did not remember that he was very good. And those teams were like, I think I kept Ruben drones the year that he was yeah. like their feature back. 
Because I was like, well, he's going to get a lot of touches. You got to think about it. It's Ruben Drones, right? They're not going to waste <laughs> that opportunity. Um, and I did. I So that was the guy that was on the teams that Frisman Jackson was on that was good. And then the rest of it was just like Charlie Fry. And one of the great anomalous seasons in fantasy, the the Derek Anderson, yes. uh, Braylon Edwards year. The horseball season. So seven. Yeah. That yeah, whole, that whole season that. was great. They went 10 and six and didn't make the playoffs. Unbelievable. Or Unbelievable. nine and seven or something. But yeah, like Anderson was fantastic. And then, uh, yeah, and then he got to wear a baseball hat on the sidelines and make $20 million for the next 10 years or whatever. But Andy Barons, you have been a fantastic first guest. Should we do this again next year, Barons? Oh, hell yeah. Um, hell yeah. I, I miss doing this. This was always my favorite podcast. It's it's great to be on. Damn right. It should have been. Thanks for joining thank you. Thanks so much for coming. You have been a lovely, lovely distraction joining us. So uh, we will uh, speak to you again next year, if not sooner. All right. Sweet. Thanks, guys. Bye. We're back. We're back. We got, uh, we're going to do one or two fun back questions because we're already bumping up against the, uh, the clock. And of course, uh, you know, this podcast is live and uh the uh, nine o'clock news is next so we can't uh we have our we have a real hard out here we can't yeah, we're gonna possibly you know, if we join night court already in progress the studio execs yell at us uh before we do we uh, before i get into the fun bag i do want uh to give you a drink from the poison chalice mm. broth uh let's, let's who do you it. think would have a, a better dennis leary impression you or me uh, I haven't tried a Dennis Leary impression in a while, but I'm happy to give it a shot if you'd like. All right. Why don't you give it a shot? This is a tweet from Dennis Leary. This is the worst take of the week. The Dennis Leary. The guy, you remember yeah. him. He was like, he was like Bill Hicks, but in a car commercial. Yeah. Uh, all right. Dear science, once you tackle COVID, we're going to need an anti-pumpkin fucking spice vaccine. Oh, that was pretty good. Let me yeah, apologize I, in advance to Brandon for how many plosives there were in that uh, line reading. That was how me, I felt. Let me let me let me try and see if I do any better. Right. There's science. Once you tackle COVID, we're gonna need an anti-pumpkin fucking spice vaccine. It's, uh, it's the fucking is in the wrong place. Yeah, the challenge is getting through that gag without laughing because it is so good and it is right up to date. It's so you know it's so funny because he was like he did the edgy like MTV shorts like back in the day. And then he became like official comedian of like cops. Yes. And yeah, he's one of the, I love that type of showbiz type. The guys that like play a fireman in a TV show. And then like after two seasons, they're like, no, I'm a, I'm a real fireman. Like I fight <sighs> fires and that's what I do now. Uh, all right. And now you have to do the, uh, the mashup of the week. Are you ready for that? Oh, wait, we have to? Yeah. I thought uh, we were running out of time. Uh, well, yeah, let's hear it. I don't care. I'm going to give you the mashup. Are you ready? It's, yeah. it's actually, it, you think it's going to be easy. It's not going to be easy because you have to identify the artist. All okay. right. All right. Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley mm-hmm. low. Hey, 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 like being stoned. Oh, wow. Okay. Be well. with you, girl, like being low. Hey, 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 like being stoned. Well, this is these are two good songs to me. Uh, you got they are good songs. You got uh, Marvin Gaye and Diana Ross, obviously, the beginning on "Ain't No Mountain High Enough," and then mm-hmm. you've got uh, "Cracker." You have "Cracker." That's correct. Let me make sure that you have it. Uh, no, you are incorrect. Oh wait. Oh, okay. You you are right. It yeah. was the it was a single in 1967 was released with Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. Oh. But then, um, and then three years later, Gay recorded it with Diana Ross. So you are correct. I'm going to give you credit okay, for that. Okay, I appreciate that. I, I think thought I Tammy knew that Terrell. There was a, yeah. All respect to Tammy Terrell. Also, again, uh, distraction listener. Uh, yeah. No disrespect intended. <laughs> uh, uh, I like Cracker. That's a, that was a fun band. I like that. That's that was a, like a band that I listened to that I think got me into more interesting bands when I was like 12. Uh, it's uh, time for a couple of fun bad questions. Here's one from Peter. Why aren't nectarines more popular or at the very least as popular as peaches? You have peach pie, peach cobbler, peach schnapps, peaches and cream, princess peach, the peach pit. No love for nectarines. What happened, Roth? It's messed up. Uh, so I'll tell you in my household, we are a nectarine household. Uh, we also, you know, whatever we like peaches too. I don't want to make it seem like it's a, an actual binary there. Uh, but yeah, I, I've never really fully understood it. I like nectarines um, more because they're more tartar. Sometimes you get peaches, it's kind of just too sweet. 
uh, and a nectarine. Uh, wait, what, what are you, my dad? It's yeah. too sweet. Don't do it's that. It's too sweet. It's, 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 you know what, Drew? It's insipid. It's childish. You know what? It's a, it's a texture thing for me because like a nectarine has a smooth surface. It's, it's like a peach, but it has alopecia. So I like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, why would I have the fur if I don't need the fur? Yeah. I do think a uh, nectarine schnapps is an idea whose time has come, though. That's probably. Yeah. I mean, to the extent that schnapps is an idea whose time has come at all, when, like, I think the only people that drink them are uh, elderly Scandinavians. To me, it's a hard seltzer flavor waiting to be made that would be, like, Luis Paez Pumar would be drinking that tomorrow. Yeah, if hell there yeah. Was a, if there was a nectarine white claw, forget it. Yeah, they just send him experimental claws, and he drinks them in his gamer <laughs> chair, and then he's like, I didn't like it. It tastes too much like beans. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this one's from Chad. What is the worst time for a work meeting? I recently had to attend, attend a webinar at 2 p.m. Right as my post-lunch sleepiness took hold, and I think I would have rather been waterboarded. So you have to account for the COVID uh, factor here because Chad did send this uh, during the pandemic. So uh, really, when's the worst time for a work meeting? But really, it's a, it's a work Zoom meeting, Ugh. and you're not there in person. I do yeah. think afternoon meetings in person are the fucking worst, but Zoom calls in the afternoon are not terribly fantastic either. Yeah, I think it's it's later in the day stuff for me. Like I think my wife had one at like five thirty p.m. on a Friday, oh. and it's like it's the only time anybody has and whatever. And it's not like you're done working at five thirty p.m. on a Friday, or you know you want to be, but you're not. But that uh, yeah was brutal to see later in the afternoon. I, I think just because I have like somehow managed to keep my like 23 year old lifestyle and sleep cycle to a certain extent, like well into my early middle age. Like I don't mind afternoon stuff necessarily, but later in the day just feels like an insult. Like if you're, if you want to meet with me at like 5 PM, like you should, there should be drinks or something like it just doesn't seem right. That's to me, a 5 PM meeting is violence to a person. I I went to a, I had to go to a, a back to school zoom last night. At 5 p.m. And the principal got on and said, well, it's happy hour, so grab a beverage if you want, <laughs> which, was, which is actually, I mean, it's kind of inappropriate, but like pr- a perfectly human thing to say. <laughs> like, listen, if you want to get shit-faced during this back-to-school meeting, I'm not going to stop. Yeah, do they, they don't do that. at like I've, seen, I've never been to like a parent-teacher night thing. I know they used to have those. Like, there's no, there's not like a pony keg, right? They don't no, do that. No, no, right. there's, there's, there's like the frosted cookies and like, Fruit no one touches. Yeah, that's, about that's it. unfortunate. Yeah, little the melon uh, squares, but they're somehow weirdly crispy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, given uh, what's going on, I'm not going to do a Trump question of the week because it's not amusing. Because fuck him. So yep. We're gonna we're gonna end on that note. Yeah. And we're gonna get we're gonna get back we're get into the uh, the credits. Brandon Nix is the producer and engineer. Daisy Rosario is our executive producer, and Stitcher's chief content officer is Chris Bannon. I have one more uh, thing I have to tell you is that you can listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium. For a free month of Stitcher Premium, you go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code DISTRACT. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you listen. But if you rate us, please give us 98 stars and say yeah. it's the best podcast. We if love you give it. us one star, I have no use for you. We love praise. Why would you look at <laughs> Drew? Come on. Help the guy out. All right, we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.